Hey, welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues and missions that impact missionaries and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava. With me today is Stephen Madoff. Well, hello there, Tony. It's so good to be back with you. And you know, we just got back into the motion of doing podcasts because you're back in town and we... We mentioned and previewed in our last episode we recorded that we were excited about mm. the lineup of episodes that we have scheduled to produce For going sure. forward. Yep. And today is one of those days we're excited about because we are making history today. Again. Again, we have had guests before join us uh, throughout the recording of our podcast, but today is the first day that Drum we have roll, had- please. Two guests with us. <laughs> we are joined today by a couple, Garen and Annalise Patrick. They are behind my missionaries who are here in candidate school. And uh, we're going to let them introduce themselves, kind of tell where they're going, what they're mm-hmm. all about. Well, let's welcome them into our podcast. Hello there, Garen and Annalise. Hey, hey, this is uh, Garen Patrick, and uh, this is my wife. Hi. Her name is Annalise. Her last name is also Patrick. Well, well welcome. Why don't you tell us, what, like you're here at BIMI, obviously one of our uh, missionaries with us. So where are you going? What? Why are you here? Things of that nature. Yes, sir. We are missionaries going to Nigeria. Uh, we have uh, just finished deputation, finished raising support, and we're going to Nigeria, which is Africa's most populated country. Is that on the eastern side, southern side, western side? Central west. side, <laughs> southwest, northern. Uh, no, it's on the west side. <laughs> west side, West Africa. West. Okay, excellent. West Africa. And uh, are there other missionaries? Are you going to go work with someone? Are you like, how did the Lord lead you there? And what's the plan when you get there? Yeah, there aren't many missionaries in Nigeria. Uh, there are a few, but we're going to go work with a missionary named Mark Holmes. He's been there for about sixteen years. And uh, the plan is to work with him for a couple years, and then uh, we'll go off and start our first church uh, there in the city of Abuja, which is the capital, uh, right there in the middle of the country, and uh, spend the next several decades of our lives lives starting churches uh, there in Nigeria. Do you have some pretty specific goals uh, about getting there and some things that you want to do? Uh, I had the privilege to be in a couple conferences or meetings with you recently, and um, uh, a couple of things really stuck out in my mind. The goals about how many churches you would like to see the Lord use you to see planted, and and then some other ministries out of the church plant as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I just turned thirty, and my goal is to my prayer is that I'll be able to spend from years thirty to seventy. So I'm I'm praying that God will give me forty years in Nigeria. And uh, specifically, we're praying that God would allow us to see 100 churches planted. Um, and, and I pray that one day I'll look back at this and kind of laugh at how small of, of a prayer that I prayed originally. And so obviously we will not have time uh, to, by ourselves, start 100 churches. But our goal is to start churches and train them to be re- self-replicating churches that will reproduce mm-hmm. themselves. And so the focal point of our ministry will be just training, training, training the nationals to uh, to depend on their own leadership and to start uh, new churches out of their churches. Yeah. And Annalise, I'm assuming that's your prayer too and goal too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. And then what kind of ministry uh, things 
Do you, have you thought about what kind of ministries you want? To, churches, and that's our primary purpose, and we understand that. But I know in talking to you and doing prep, and as well as just knowing your knowing you from years past, uh, what are some of the other things that you have kind of your site set on? We'll let Annalise share this. Um, so our priority, like you said, will be church planting, but our secondary ministry we would like to, um, the Lord allow us to start, is a children's home. 45% of the population is 15 and under, and wow. a lot of those children are vulnerable, don't come from good situations, like family situations. Um, when we were on our survey trip, we went to go see a children's home run by a past national pastor and his wife, and they live in a small, tiny little house, and they keep, at the time, they had six, and then recently they just added two more children. His burden is that someone would come and help him start a bigger work because it's such a big need. He wants to take in more, but his the space is just so tiny, and he can't take in any more um, with the limited space that he has in his home. That was one of the things that really spoke to us, that this really is a need here. And a lot of the children he's taken in have been dropped off at a hospital as a baby, or they've found uh, the child in a trash can, or some of them were dropped off at their house and they took off and um, just left the child there at their doorstep. And um, it's a very heartbreaking situation, but we see that as a ministry opportunity to start um, just this children's home where they can be raised in a Christian environment and just be raised up to be um, Christian leaders if in the ministry. Fantastic. Well, wow. well, first of all, let me just say how encouraging it was to hear Garen say that they're praying for 40 years on the same field because we just recorded a podcast where we kind of lamented the fact that a lot of newer missionaries are just kind of, well, I'll go to this field and try it out, and maybe I'll go to that field and this field. But that was really encouraging to hear you say that you're praying for 40 years on the field. And then um, to go back to the children's homes, you've both really thought this out, and that's been evident as we've spoken and and, uh, as I've heard you present it in churches. And some talk a little bit about the, the... the plans for even the construction. You've really thought the details of this out and and uh, how you'd like to see that operate and maybe why um, you've mm-hmm. chosen that path and, and are praying towards that. For sure. And obviously there's a lot of things we'll have to figure out when we get there. Uh, but the, the general skeleton that we have is for it to be specifically a children's home. Um, and and I say that uh, as opposed to an orphanage. Uh, not mm-hmm. that I have anything against that, obviously, but uh, we want it to be structured in several different cottages on one campus instead of just one big building because we want them to, s- to have the sense that they are part of an individual family unit and mm. they'll have a guardian um, that they'll see as you know a mother and, and, and one as, as a father. And, and maybe there'll be about seven kids in each cottage so that they feel like they're part of a family instead of just feeling that they're institutionalized. And what is the kind of religious slash spiritual climate in Nigeria? What what would be the predominant faith that statistics would say? And then how does that differ from what's in actuality and so on and so forth? 
Yeah, so when you're talking about religion in Nigeria, you've got to understand that it's it's basically split up into two countries. The north is almost exclusively Muslim. Uh, the south is um, predominantly what I call African Pentecostal and then Catholic as well. We are planning to be in uh, the capital, Abuja, which is right in the middle of the country, and there, there is a mixture of everything. There's Catholic, there's African Pentecostal and Muslim, all well represented there in the capital. So you guys came and got approved, if I remember correctly, in December of 2019. Correct. And so now, as we record this, we're sitting here in June of 2021, and so really about a year and a half uh, mm-hmm. of time. And I know that you guys were wandering the halls of BIMI last week because you're getting ready for your you did your departure interview, Correct. which means that you mm-hmm. guys are soon heading off to Africa. Yes. Now, that just doing the math on that is an outstanding uh, rate of completion of deputation fundraising, uh, mm-hmm. going from church to church to get the necessary support and, uh, that you need to do the ministry God's called you to. And then you take on board with that also the extra element of COVID and the pandemic and churches being shut down and yeah. everyone in a state of uncertainty and not mm-hmm. meeting and so on and so forth. So uh, tell us, what is the secret sauce? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, you know, there's, and I'll ask you this way cause some people lament deputation. They always hear the horror stories of people five years, six years, and they'll, they'll claim deputation is broken mm-hmm. strictly because of these extreme examples of people being on the road for years after years after years. You are obviously the total counter to that. That the Lord has blessed you and worked through your fa- your cu- your family's life in a in a different way. So, what were just how did you do deputation? What were some of the tactics? What were some of the ways? How did you reach out to churches? Did mm-hmm. what, what, I would love to hear some of that. Yeah, so uh, I kind of took the the approach that I want to be obviously understand that it's a spiritual. Um, endeavor, but at the same time, I want to be practical. And so I thought, you know, I, I want to get to Nigeria. My job is not to be a, you know, an evangelist. God has not called me to be an evangelist. He's called me to be a missionary. So I want to get through deputation as fast as I can to get to the country that God has called me to, uh, to do. And a lot of it, I think, was just working smarter rather than harder uh, in the sense that um, I just did what I felt was going to work better. And so one of the, the examples of that was was just commun- it, just the various means of communication. I did a lot of emailing instead of calling, uh, whereas mm. you can spend about you know eight hours calling people and get no response. Uh, you know you could spend about three hours emailing and email more people and get more responses that way. And so that was something that I did. Uh, just I got almost all my well, I would say vast majority of my con- my uh, meetings were booked through emailing, and sometimes I would call uh, afterwards and leave a voicemail. And even when I left a voicemail, I purposely try to make it a little bit memorable uh so it was different i'd say like a little joke or something like that say hey i'm your favorite missionary you never met or something like that just to kind of stand out <laughs> with all the other voicemails yeah hopefully but um also um i i i something that that worked for me was just um just just being different um instead of preaching on Matthew 28 every week, I would just preach a general message about living for God with some missions application. And then I had some people say, you know, man, I'm 
we were we had a missionary in. We're expecting the traditional, you know, Great Commission message, but you preached something from this obscure passage that was that just really um, stood out to me, and and you made that missions application as well, and it just really was memorable. So that was one of the things that that worked. Um, networking was a huge thing for me. Uh, going to a conference, booked probably twenty meetings just from going to that conference. Um, also, just using whatever resources I had available. I got my, my Facebook contact list, looked through every single one of my Facebook friends. And if there's someone that I was friends with that worked at a church or was a prominent member of a church, I would do two things. I would say, hey, can you put a good word for your, for me in with your pastor and then also give me his email? So I'm not asking you to book the meeting for me, um, but but I want you to you know put a good word in and then I'll email him and then book some, meeting through, some meetings through that. If there was a, a pastor that I knew would recognize my face, I would send him a, a message on Facebook so then he could put a face to the name. And um, just some of those just practical networking things uh, help, help book a lot of meetings. Um, in our video, I just, uh, I, we didn't have much footage from our survey trip, uh, but I just figured, you know, we're going to sell what we have. And so we just kind of looked at it and we figured Nigeria is the biggest country um, in, in Africa. One seventh of the continent lived there. So we, we, we emphasize that. I was uh, saved through the bus ministry, so I emphasize that. My wife and I both come from broken homes, so we emphasize that. Um, so just kind of, I hate to say it because it sounds unspiritual, but just figuring out the selling points that we had about ourselves and then also our ministry, uh, because if that's going to communicate to people and that's going to get us to the field faster, then we're going to take advantage of that, that opportunity uh, so that we can get to the place that God has called us uh, to do. And then communicating with pastors after uh, shortly after we went to the meeting, and what I would do was about a week or two later, I would say I would write a Google review for their church, and then just email or text the pastor and say, "Hey, thank you again for the meeting we had at your church. It's a blessing, blah blah blah." And I just left a good review for your church on Google, and it's just another excuse, if you will. Uh, although I meant it, it was sincere. Another way to just put my name out there and just kind of have another little touch with with that pastor. Yeah, you know, um, you you used the word sell, but I, like I said, I, we we were just in some meetings together, and I, I would not have chosen that word because everything that you see Garen and Annalise do in a, in a meeting comes across as being very genuine and sincere, and so I think maybe just you were wise in how you created your contacts and work those contacts, and um, I mentioned to. Uh, another director recently that, in my observation, one of the things that uh, spoke to the genuineness of both of you was that you had like this instant status with teenagers. And teenagers can read insincerity a thousand miles away, and they were just attracted to you. I know even my young girls, my teenage girls, man, they, when we were on this trip and after we had seen you, they're like, oh, I got to text Annalise this thing. I saw this thing. And it just an instant connection. So, you know, the, the joke you would leave about this is your favorite missionary. I heard you say, you know, hey, this is the favorite church I've been in today or something like that. <laughs> but it is memorable. It makes it stick out. And, it, it, and I think it was very genuine, genuine. And I think it was representative of who you both are. And obviously it worked and, and the Lord blessed it. And as we've had opportunity to talk, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the podcast is the partnership between the missionary and the supporting church, that the supporting church isn't just an ATM where we kind of slide the debit card in and get some money this month and 
uh, and all. But um, you, that was another thing that you had really thought out and um, and had done some homework with and spoken to other missionaries about truly partnering with uh, churches as opposed to just getting cash from churches. Again, I think that speaks to your genuineness and sincerity of uh, trying to do this in a way that you're allowed to stay on the field for a really long time because because you have true partnerships. Talk a little bit, if you could, about about forming those partnerships with the, with the churches. Mm-hmm. So I... Um I have realized that, you know, I, I don't have to spend deputation just chasing after support. Uh, I can do, you know, what God leads me to do, and he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. And so there there might be some churches where, you know, I feel like I, I don't know if, if, if I would feel comfortable coming here on furlough because uh, now obviously this is a very, very small minority, and actually there's only one church that we, we literally – turned down their support and uh, and the name of that church was I'm just kidding but, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no I'm totally kidding but um but I I realized that you know um Paul said you know he was he was a debtor uh to and I forget the, the words exactly I think he said I'm a debtor to to the Jew and the Greek basically I'm a debtor to the lost and so I realized that uh, I believe that we have, as a missionary and you know, our relationship with supporting churches, is that they're, we're co-laborers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't have to feel like, oh, I'm just this lowly missionary who's a debtor to the, to the churches that we go to. And I'm just so lucky that they, that they, um, that they are giving money to us. And I, and I realized, you know, like, we are so blessed. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm extremely thankful um, for the churches that are that are allowing us to do what God has called us to do, uh, but at the same time, I realize I don't mean this pridefully, but uh, we are allowing through our ministry, we are allowing them to do something that they aren't able to do without us. Uh, so it's it's a it's a we're, we're co-laborers. We are doing the work on the field, and they are doing the work here on the home front and praying and giving for us. And I think there obviously needs to be a, a gratitude bo- going both ways. Um, but um, God has helped me realize that you know I. I I don't have to chase after support, and I, and I can uh, develop you know relationships and partnerships with churches that um, that I feel the Lord leading me to, to say you know this is definitely a church I, I want to have a, a a permanent relationship with if that makes sense. Yeah, hmm. absolutely, and you know, and I think we use the phrase partnership every episode of our podcast, and we really do see that partnership, and so it's great that you. You have caught that, not because of us, but just that spirit and idea, right. because it, I think it is the, the key to missions between the missionary and the church, and understanding it's a partnership. Now, Annalise, uh, tell me what you thought of deputation. Like, um, what was it like for you? You know, your husband's making the calls, cracking the jokes, um, <laughs> preaching the, the obscure passage sermon. So... And, I, and I'm I'm truly a believer in the fact that you know God is works in in the husband and wife, mm-hmm. and that if He's preparing the husband, He's also preparing the wife. Mm. So, what was your experience as far as deputation was concerned? I really enjoyed it. Um, I love to travel and see new places, so I was really excited about that. Um, and I love meeting new people. I uh, built a lot of lasting relationships that I'll know I'll have um, for, you know, while I'm in ministry overseas with 
pastors' wives and church members and just different people I got to connect with. I have like so many people I'm thinking of right now. So I loved that. Um, just knowing, um, meeting like elderly ladies who I know will be praying for me and um, just friends that I've met that say that they do that they message me on Facebook saying like I prayed for you today or me and my family prayed for you and that goes like a long way um, for me for us and so I really really enjoyed that but it's deputation is not like flowers and daisies and rainbows all the time <laughs> um, it has its like difficulties um, and I've talked to other missionary wives as well um, and just um, just also wives in ministry too that some of the things um, that were kind of difficult was that I, I didn't we didn't have a home there was we didn't have an apartment that we could just go to or a house that we rented that we could just go back to after we were done for meetings for a little bit but we we're living, we were like, kind of like gypsies. We were like nomads just going from place to place to place to place to place, like kind of camp out for a little bit. And it was difficult, I think, as a woman because we have this natural instinct just to nest, just to make a house a home. And for a year and a half, that was pretty difficult just because I want a home. I want to have a home just to make for me and my family, my husband. So there, there was that, but, you know, that's something that I had to, you know, go to the Lord about and just give that to Him and just knew that this was just for a season. I, another thing that I thought was difficult for me personally, um, I don't know if there's other missionary wives who are going through something like this, but my mom um, is not supportive of me being a missionary. And uh, my mom is a single mom, and um, she doesn't understand why I'm doing this, <laughs> why um, I can't just be a missionary in the United States, and why it has to be Africa. So that was very difficult, um, just knowing that I didn't have the support coming from her and that she was not supporting me at all about what the Lord has called me to do. But um, again, that was just something I had to go to the Lord about and ask Him for grace every day. And um, he definitely, you know, took care of me and um, just gave me a lot of ladies that I met that really encouraged me during times where it was very hard. Mm. <laughs> so, but I love deputation um, the whole year and a half. So. Yeah, we wouldn't want to do it again, but we love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what would the average day look like for you when you were planning? Like, would you spend... Five hours. Did you set a goal of I'm going to call a hundred or reach out to a hundred churches a day? I'm going to spend five hours, you know, spend sending out correspondence through the various means that you utilized. A lot of people, you know, some people who are hearing this have never done deputation, and so they understand okay fundraising part. But what does the average day look like? What did it look like for you? I didn't have like a certain amount of meetings I wanted to have booked in a day or something like that, but I would section it out. I would say like, well, now I'm going to work on, you know, May through July and I want to get those. And so for the next, you know, a couple weeks or so or a few weeks, I would, I would spend time just emailing those churches and doing a few calls and just trying to get that. 
get those meetings filled. And so I would spend more than four hours um, just trying to book meetings, um, mainly through email. And, and so that was a big part, especially during the beginning, uh, just doing that. But uh, outside of that, obviously, uh, you know, communicating with churches and just reaching out to churches and just developing the friendship with churches that you already went to, uh, as well as obviously a lot of the days were spent driving, sometimes preparing uh, some new sermons, but sometimes you do that. Yeah, that, that's for the, that's a lot of, of what uh, we did at the beginning. And then uh, towards towards the end, uh, well, during COVID, uh, those two and a half months of lockdown, we did a lot of nothing. And then, um, but at the end, once we reached the point where it's like, I, I don't need to book any more meetings, we just need to go to the rest of the meetings we have. That was a glorious um, time. And so just try to be creative and just um, give myself projects to do in terms of uh, obviously planning and, and, and packing and and ordering stuff you're going to need and things like that. But then also trying to study for lessons I'm going to teach in seminary uh, when I get there and things like that. Well, you may not have spent uh, eight hours a day, uh, but obviously you didn't necessarily have to spend eight hours a day because your calendar was full. And, you know, here we are, what, 18 months into this and you're ready to go to the field. That's not to say somebody else isn't going to have to spend eight hours a day. It seems like what you did was you spent the time you needed to uh, spend to get to where you want to go. And it's, it's pretty obvious that you, the goal was let's get there and let's do what it takes mm-hmm. to get there. You mentioned that you both come from broken homes or not mm-hmm. ideal Christian homes as, as a lot of some missionaries do and all. I think it would be really great if you could take just the last couple of minutes that we have and maybe each of you, what would you say to maybe somebody who's listening right now and thinking about missions we had? And and I know actually that this couple influenced you, uh, that uh, the young lady was from our church in Arizona, they serve in Africa now, who did not come from an ideal home by Mm -hmm. any stretch of the Mm -hmm. imagination. I remember the day she called me and said to me, Pastor, do you think I could ever be used in missions because my mother has told me God can never use you? So she went through a time where she was, you know, her mom was not supportive. Her dad was completely absent at that time. And and so what would you say to somebody who's listening like that or like the experiences that you've gone through to encourage them that, wait a minute, God can use you? Um, Mm -hmm. And other than just God can use you, what would you say? To encourage them, I, w- I would say that um, g- going back about twenty-four years ago, I was literally the quietest, quietest kid on one of the bus routes. There's no way church. that's true. <laughs> it is. It is. I was the quietest kid. I wasn't the smallest kid because I don't think I've ever been small in my life. But I was the quietest kid on the bus. And just to kind of give you a little illustration. Um, we would have you know lollipops that would give out for for songs. You know, I, I knew the words to every single song, but I never sang it one time. I never won a lollipop all the Sundays that came because I was extremely shy. I had terrible problems with, with confidence and low self-esteem, and that carried on through, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, even into Bible college. And um, I was extremely shy, very unsure of myself. And just looking back um, at those years when I thought very little of myself, I could just imagine God looking down and say, oh, man, if you just could know the plans that I have for you. Um, and it took it took years for me, you know, growing up from a broken home, just growing up in a situation where, you know, my dad is 
is he he's to this day he has no idea what I'm what I'm doing you know uh, it's just mm-hmm. not a part of my life um, I've seen him once in the last uh, twelve years or so uh, I actually uh, went to a college uh, I went to UC Berkeley in Northern California I specifically went to that college because I wanted to live near him and he went to. Uh, he lived in in San Francisco, and I I got to see him for a grand total of probably two hours while I was, uh, while I was going to college there. Just growing up like that, just just having no self confidence. Uh, it took years uh, for me to get to the point. Or if you meet me right now, you realize I'm not quiet. Um, I have a very loud personality. I didn't really discover that personality until I was in Bible college, to be honest. And what I want to say is that, re- regardless of of where you came from, God has, you know, plans for all of our lives, and it is it will amaze you what God can do through you and how God can change you um, if you just, you know, surrender to Him and, and trust Him and develop a walk with Him. Um, God has dramatically changed my life. I would have never imagined myself speaking on a podcast or preaching in front of churches uh, or going to be a missionary, and it's just, it amazes me, God's grace uh, in my life. I would say that I struggled with that when the Lord had called me to missions in high school. Um, And I had all these different excuses, including, well, I don't come from a Christian home. I come from a broken home. My dad was, you know, was addicted to drugs. He was, you know, um, abusive in many different ways. And I just really didn't think the Lord would use me or could use me because of where I come from. But then I... I realized um, in Bible college that those things happened because the Lord could use me to help someone on the mission field who is either going through that right now or has gone through that and is in bondage because of those experiences. And um, the Lord could use someone like me to encourage them or to disciple them or um, just be that example for them. And I realized that, the, you know what, those things did happen for a reason. And um, God allowed those things so I could be that um, encouragement to someone on the mission field going through those difficult things. I appreciate you guys coming in and sharing your heart and sharing what God has, has done through you all uh, in, in preparing you to go to Nigeria and, and how, uh, how he'll use you there. It's exciting when you see the hand of the Lord working, and mm-hmm. I know it's exciting because yeah. you want to continue to see the hand of the Lord working. And so I appreciate you all coming very coming in and sharing your story, and and also really kind of pushing back that deputate the idea that deputation is completely broken that it's right. uh, uh, you got to toss it into the rubbish bin and mm-hmm. come up with some new plan because uh, for every horror story that's told, there there is the counterpoint, and I appreciate that. You all are, are an example of the counterpoint that mm. you're partnering with churches. Churches are supporting what you're doing. They're excited about what you're doing, and that's great to hear. Amen. We are definitely thankful that we've had the time to talk with you both, and uh, thank you for taking the time. I'm sure that this uh, this podcast will be a blessing to those who are listening, and uh, we would encourage you to share this with somebody else. Uh, for those of you who are looking to support missionaries, I'm sorry, they're already <laughs> fully supported. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you leave for the field, 
Tentatively July, uh, as, is that right? Assuming our visa, visas get processed in the time frame we're praying for, uh, the 4th of July. 4th of July. Amen. So start booking them uh, for four years out for furlough time. And uh, uh, you would not be sorry to have partnered with uh, Garen and Annalise, I'm sure. So thank you for taking time to be with us this week. Trust that this has been an encouragement to you. And uh, share the podcast with somebody else. Contact information will be in the show notes. What we'll do is we'll put uh, your contact, Garen and Annalise's contact, in the show notes as well. If you want to reach out and uh, Maybe just ask a question, a follow-up question that we didn't have time to hit on the podcast. And so thank you for listening. Until next week, have a great week in the Lord.